This is Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. Bell Shakespeare would like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Wongal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. You common cry of curs, whose breath I hate, as reek of the rotten fens, whose loves I prize, as the dead carcasses of unburied men that do corrupt my air, I banish you. And here remain with your uncertainty. Let every feeble rumour shake your hearts. Your enemies, with nodding of their plumes, fan you into despair. Have the power still to Banish your defenders, till at length your ignorance, which finds not till it feels, making but reservation of yourselves still your own foes, deliver you as most abated captives to some nation that won you without blows, despising for you the city. Thus I turn my back. There is a world elsewhere. Welcome to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm your host, James Evans. And that was Act 3, Scene 3 from Coriolanus, read by our guest this week. He's a graduate of the WA Academy of Performing Arts and on the Bell Shakespeare stage he's appeared in Romeo and Juliet, The Tempest, The Comedy of Errors and Macbeth. His performance in the SBS television series Safe Harbour garnered him a Logie Award for Most Outstanding Actor and an Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Award nomination for Best Lead Actor in a Television Drama. It is my great pleasure to welcome Hazem Shamus. Hazem, welcome to Speak the Speech. Thanks, James. Hi. How you doing, man? It's just so great to be back here with you and all the bell. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, Hasm, tell me about Coriolanus. What's going on in Act 3 for this character? Oh, I love I love this moment in the play. He's, um, he, Coriolanus has, has gone to war and, and defeated the... Um, the Volsky and and come back more of a, more of a hero than than he was when he left. You know, single-handedly um, defeated the the enemy, and he um, he bears all the scars of the of the true warrior that he you know he's been built up to to, to become. His ambition is to uh, get a, a seat, uh, become a member of the consul, and um, that that relies on the, the will of the people, the will of the citizens. Mm. Um, now, uh, being the bad politician that he is, he's kind of, he's been baited politically and he, um, he baited in terms of, you know, the, 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 the citizens who have a kind of love-hate relationship with this inflated personality um, and, and a noble. Um, and they've, they've kind of tested him uh, to show his true colours. 
and he, in this moment he he shows his true colors well and truly you know he kind of it's just dripping with contempt for the people i mean he, he's really not much of a politician he, he can't even hold it together for one scene to to, to be nice to, to, to the people and and it comes from this this nurturing of this particular you know character and personality you, you know it, it, it which is what draws me to the play when 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 we and i kind of say we as people you know when we breed um these heroes and these killing machines mm. you, like what else do we expect from them especially when they come from a kind of position of of nobility and privilege and then then you know this the, the 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 bile that comes in this moment you can just you can just sense that it comes from a life of of hate and mm. and privilege but also also um encouragement and support you know you you know when 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 this when this particular patrician mm. um has been bred to be you know like a killing machine but also a you know a hero a hero a stand-up guy you know a guy that the that everyone looks up to and longs to be mm. um you, you you know it's 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 not so surprising to hear that the depth of that contempt that that comes out the i mean the other thing i hear in this speech is there's a lack of gratitude he feels from the people it's like you should be thankful for what i've done for you 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 should be down on your knees begging and thanking me and if you're not then i hate you yeah entitlements you know entitlements amazing that sense of entitlement especially especially now which resonates for me um coming coming to this kind of work in 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 a, in a very interesting time in mm. in the world where mm. where there are these citizen i guess common people chipping away at those positions of power that have a sense of entitlement so can you see so are you saying you can see there's a tide against these kind of tyrants because because what i'm seeing at the moment is that these kind of tyrants guys like coriolanus are having quite a moment in the world and have for the last three or four years. They're very popular. They're supported by the people. What do you think about that? Yeah, we love our heroes, you know, even as big and as bad as as they can be. Um, and that's, I guess, that's what's what's also somewhat seductive about about this character. And that's it, especially you know because of the brilliance of Shakespeare. He's he's not un, unsympathetic. You kind of you you find yourself not i guess siding with him but sympathizing which is which is crazy because mm. you know he's he's big and bad and ugly mm. <laughs> and and would crush us in an instant but still there's that there's that 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 kind of humanity that creeps through um so yeah he's you know, like not, not wanting to admit it but there's something slightly lovable about that kind of a hero that bad boy that we love our bad boys and Coriolanus is certainly not wanting the love or affection of the people he's very contemptuous but he's got an interesting relationship with his mum as well and there's some kind of psychology in there that Shakespeare's dropped into this play about the way that he was raised he was raised from birth to have that sense of entitlement that he will be a hero. Yeah, and, and you really see, you really you sense the nurture in him that that sense of privilege 
definitely comes from, uh, in this case, his mother's ambitions. Um, and the, the, the character of Volumnia, like, it's one of those maybe lesser known great roles, uh, you know, standing up there with Coriolanus and, and the, you, you, you see in him uh, or, and through her that ambition and the, 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 the kind of position that they've taken in the world that is above everything. So um, in this speech, you get the sense that he, he, he doesn't need us and this world at all. He's so far beyond it. And that's been inflated by his mum from a very young age. Um, uh, and yeah, of course he ends up um, dead. And famously in that uh, that film, the Ray Fiennes film, um, kind of unceremoniously, his body is just dumped on the back of a cart. Which conflicts, which which kind of, which, which, which is interesting because it sort of stood apart from the actual play where where the the body is treated even by his enemies with nobility with with honor yeah right you know yeah. like they even at the last minute after they've jumped him and 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 and, and killed him you know Alfred just comes and says you know the, the, the man still needs to be buried with honor mm, mm. so so they I don't I, you know I kind of I, I thought that was an interesting um, an interesting an interesting you know take on on, on Ralph Fine's part. Yeah, yeah. Look, and I think partly it's about, um, you know, these these tyrants rise, but then ultimately they fall. And, you know, it's Ozymandias, you know, ultimately they are forgotten and they crumble into the desert and history moves on. The great tide of the, the great tsunami of history sweeps them aside. But then we But then we fall in love with another one. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the kind of thing that even... That that's where Shakespeare had this kind of brilliance, and and I and I kind of, you know, this play's um, interesting because it's you know one of the lesser done, Everyone, you know, people most people try to avoid it for some mm. reason, but then I feel like it's had it's it's got its time now, um, because of that thing that even though even though you know this, it's an exploration of a, of of this kind of tyranny, mm. that, that 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 we know. Is, is mad. It's mad for us to, to even go with it and we do reject it. But then time and again we kind of, you know, we've got short memories. We, we seek we them fall, out again. We fall under the spell of another one. Yeah. Is this a role that you want to play? Do you, do you, do you want to sink your teeth into this one? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it, was, it, it was an early, it was one of the earliest roles that I thought, geez, that's interesting. And I guess it came at a time when, uh, when, Bell and and John had invited Stephen Burkoff to come and do it, which was 1996. Right. And and around that time was when my, you know, my my kind of passion for this world was coming alive. You know, I think 97 was when I did my first ever play mm. in 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 Sydney. Mm. Um, so you know, 96 is you know I was kind of still still dabbling in 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 sort of part time training around little schools and you know getting getting more aware of what was on. So uh, I didn't I didn't see the production though, but I remember there was a lot of talk about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then since and you know I've kind of it was one of the first little books I kind of even found it I found it on my shelf a little thirty cent copy of my Coriolanus, which I remember as being one of the first <laughs> Shakespeare books I I kind of found, which actually has proved to be a really great copy. But um, so since then it's always been it's always been an interest, and I I felt like I've 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 read it I read it then and I. I've read it once since, and then I, you know, just it was interesting to come to it again, and of course, always you know, understanding it in a different gaze, knowing why it's, 
uh, having a hunch, I guess, of why it's um, not done so much. Yeah. But but then, but then coming to it now, kind of going, hmm, it, it it might have it might have its moment. This idea of people power occurs time and time again in Shakespeare. Um, in some plays, Shakespeare's got quite a disdain for the mob and for mob rule and for what they do. Um, but in other circumstances, I think he shows that their power can change the world, can shift people, can can change the way that policy is is created. What do you think about that in relation to Coriolanus? Well, in, yeah, it, it's interesting in this play. In this play, because uh, you can't, you're not quite sure what Shakespeare's saying about people power. And in in, in in some instances, you could see them as kind of, you know, too fickle and turning on a dime and sort of swaying with with opinion, or or, or, or with you know, with uh, I guess the majority um, opinion too much. But but there, but there's definitely there's definitely a strength to it in 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 how he uses the 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 citizenship and the and the, the the commoners and the people power to overthrow and and banish this this Coriolanus and certainly all around um, the world we are, we're seeing this happening right now and, and that's 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 kind of the attraction to it now you know we've gone from the states to our little movements here and and I like to kind of not be focused too much on 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 America and look at how what's happening at home and you know whether it be whether it be our kind of or the people's voice on climate change or the people's voice on 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 you know our our, our first nations and and their their experience and their acknowledgement of their kind of treatment mm. um and it's it, you know there's there's this there are these deaf ears in these positions of privilege that um that it falls upon yes. and there's always this sense of these bad politicians who we've elected um, standing above mm -hmm. and and separate to the the voice of the people and the issues, and that's certainly also an issue um, throughout the Arab world, isn't it? I mean, and that's something you've been particularly connected to over the years. Yeah, the the kind of the Arab springs that that um, have come up in the last few years, and and you know, especially kind of that being my um, my birthplace and part of the world where I've I've often recognised that in the absence of any dictatorship, they fall apart. So the spring seems to have kind of failed in many respects because when when they've when they've gotten rid of the dictator, they've fallen into some failed state, mm. or they've put in a new dictator because mm. they're at a loss with uh, how else how else to do it. So you know, people power over there. Or they've, or they've fallen into war and they can't kind of get their way out. Um, people power over there seems, you know, maybe, maybe has failed in some regards. But it does, it does bring me to Coriolanus a lot, um, especially like finding mm -hmm. this speech in the Ara in the Arabic voice. You, you've uh, well, you found it in Arabic, the play. Well, yeah. I, fa I found, yeah, which was really quite interesting. And it's, and you know, look, look Shakespeare is hard enough, uh, is wonderful enough to read. Um, let alone translated in Arabic. So it's, it's. Um, but 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 when I'd found this particular speech in, in Arabic, it was. It's really quite amazing because you know you can almost, I could almost hear the, some of those um, some of those leaders, um, from you know look from Israel's Netanyahu to 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 Saddam. You know just having these moments where, mm. where where where. 
where they're about to fall, but they 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 let rip. Yep. Hey, can you give us the first four lines in Arabic? Yeah, let's give that a go. <laughs> It'd be a pleasure. Ya umaman, ya kilab nabha, amqatu anfasiha qadbab al-mustanqiat al-natna, wa uthamna hubba. كما أثمنا جيف الموت التي لم تدفن فأفسدت هوائي إني ينفيكم أنتم. Wow, wow, amazing. What I just, what I love about that is that even in a language, even if we don't understand it, we can still understand it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's still, obviously in the hands of a skilled actor, um, there's still the feeling of the words come through. Um, and, uh, and this is what I love about talking to actors who can speak multiple languages is that with Shakespeare, Shakespeare can hold multiple languages even within the same production and, uh, and, and we can still feel and understand and know exactly what's going on. Um, one of the things I'm fascinated with uh, with multiple languages is this idea of code switching where the, the speaker almost bounces between the two different languages. Can you give us a version of the first four lines where, you know, there's the bit of Arabic and then you come into English and then back into Arabic and into English? Yeah, sure. It's, that's that's a great offer. Um, yeah, umaman, yeah, kalab nabiha, whose breath I hate. Qadibab al-mustanqa'at al-natana. Whose loves I prize, kama uthamna jayf al-mawta allati lam tudfan. Do corrupt Hawaii. Inni and fikum entum. And he amkatuhuna fi kalakikum. Yeah, yes, amazing. It's, it's almost like in that version, when you need to express something that almost can't be expressed in English, you switch to Arabic and then, you know, then you need a different mode of expression and it switches into English. A lot of bilingual speakers actually do that. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's kind of, I, 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 it's one of my biggest regrets with playing Othello where I kind of, I, um, I only after, you know, after the production and after the season was, was finished, which was, you know, wonderful and, 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 and really amazing production that we did. Mm. Um, but I, there, there were so many, so many little opportunities to actually do that. Yeah, and, right. and, and, and it's really just about that kind of ownership that, that I, it's what I love about Shakespeare. And it, it's, it's, um, it's something I remember kind of John Bell uh, talking about in terms of, you know, and, and I think he was saying it in the context of, of, of his clowns, but I kind of feel like it applies to everything. It's as much as you can own, a, own it. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and if, that's, if that's part of you, mm-hmm. then, yeah, Shakespeare does let you give you those gaps to kind of, especially like a, in a speech like this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let, let you own it fully. Yeah. And if, if, if the word... You know, if a dog in in Arabic is f- more sad, a cur in Arabic is more satisfying, mm, and it's, it's mm. you know, kilab. Yep. You know, it's kind of <laughs> then, yeah, slip it in yeah, there. Yeah, throw it in. Absolutely, I love that. I love that. So you were talking to me about um, you know when you first encountered Coriolanus um, in the mid nineties. 
But did you encounter Shakespeare before that at school? Was there a teacher or someone who kind of turned you on to, there was, to this work? Uh, do you know, like, uh, like my, my, my high school memories of, of Shakespeare, um, one of them is definitely the Bell Players because I, I, I kind of think it was maybe about year nine or year ten and I remember the players came in yep. to, do, um, to do the Scottish play, to do Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, you know, like the... It's a vivid memory. I remember the hall. I remember the experience of watching, and you know, look, my school was kind of like it was, it was, it was a terrible school. It was, you know, it was just kind of like a detention centre for young, you know, would-be mafia in the burbs of Sydney. That there wasn't really much education going on, especially especially Shakespeare and especially kind of the arts and that kind of stuff that I was interested in. You just you just played footy or stole cars, and that's um mm. that's that was your education. So these little moments that came in, and and it was to the credit of the English teacher at the time who was Miss Dubicus, and she's probably she's um her and I didn't love each other, <laughs> but uh, and if she's still around, she'd <laughs> I think she'd be surprised that that I. That I I note her as as an influence yeah. because she, you know she obviously would have brought the, the 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 players in and then the the play she was an amazing old Scots Miss Dubicus and you know she was about as charming as her her pet she she bred German shepherds and she <laughs> you know on Mufti days she'd bring these killer animals in and <laughs> she was she but she was a wonderful English teacher yeah. and you know the play that we did in or the first play we did was. Um, uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One, mm-hmm. and then she introduced us to you know like like Heart of Darkness and 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 like Conrad and War, and we did you know Turn of the Screw, and we like you know the 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 canon that she brought to my my ignorance back then, I only I only started to appreciate much later, mm-hmm. but that was the world of Shakespeare, and there was there was one opportunity to do a play, and um, I didn't perform in it, but I I, I gathered some friends together as part of you know like even year 11 drama yeah which was which was the only time they they allowed us to do it because you know i think it was us misfits who didn't want to play footy so we kind of said i'll just let us do a play and we did merchant of venice oh wow so 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 from macbeth into the fourth part one and merchant of venice was was kind of like you know my 14 15 16 year old um experiences of shakespeare Mm -hmm. that i that i just sort of shelved i really I, i i didn't i didn't think anything more apart from just Clocking that, clocking that sensation that oh, that that's an interesting world, and I didn't really come, I didn't come back to it or even kind of entertain the thought of acting and, until much later, where you know, mm. I kind of fell into other things and stole more cars and did some more street learning and then came back to. So how many years till you um, moved to Perth and went to Whopper? Well, so that so from from high school till mid twenties. Yeah, right. I just. Um, cruised the streets and did other things. Mm-hmm. Well, I also, you know, look, I, I shouldn't say I cruised the streets, kind of make myself sound like a, an absolute kind of wayward punk, but that's not true. That's not true. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the son of a good migrant family and I got myself a degree and, and, and you know, did project management and construction for, yep. <laughs> for five to six years yep. only to realise that, oh, geez, I'm not going <laughs> to build houses. I'm not doing buildings for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so then you went to become an actor. You went to Perth for three years. Did you do Shakespeare at Whopper? Did they open your eyes to Shakespeare there as well or was that not really part of the curriculum? Whopper was a real... Like like a wonderful immersion in, in in Shakespeare. We did Pericles. We did um, as you like it. We um, 
well, I can't I can't remember what else, but but you know, language, words mm. were a really big part of the training there, mm. and and I guess that's that's when I I started to appreciate Miss Dubicus again, <laughs> because yeah. you know those those old texts came out that that I that I had on my shelf, and you know I hadn't like I got read I I'd read under force, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh but but Whopper was a wonderful training ground. Um, especially to work with this kind of material in in isolation over there, yeah, uh, yeah. allowed for like such wonderful freedom and experimentation. You're listening to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm James Evans, and my guest today, Hazem Shamus. Now, Hazem, when you started working for Bell Shakespeare, I think um, one of your first roles was in the Comedy of Errors, and that was a, a co-production between Bell and the State Theatre Company of South Australia. It was a huge national tour. You went to maybe 28, 30 different venues all around the country. What was that experience like? Uh, look, trip of a lifetime, man, gig of a lifetime. I kind of, I, I loved that tour so much and the show, and the show was... Um, really special because there was, you know, half the cast were from elsewhere and the other half were from, um, from Adelaide. Uh, and it was, you know, we, we instantly clicked and, it, and, and it's a fun enough, short enough show that it, it didn't feel like work, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's enough of a fast to have, to have a lot of fun with the, um, the cast were, was a, was a, a cast of wonderful clowns, yep. And 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 um, you take a show like that on the road, and you're visiting, you know, every corner of the country, mm. and there's absolutely no stress. You know, it was right. It was a really wonderful experience, and especially to 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 play with um, you know the Dromeos were, uh, 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 you know, had always been. Um, uh, like a, you know, a role I really wanted to play, and mm, mm. um, one of those, and, and so to have that opportunity and you know do it that many times, yeah, was, yeah, it was it was it was amazing. And look, um, you know, talking about playing clowns, you also happened to appear in John Bell's final production for Bell Shakespeare as a, as artistic director when he directed The Tempest. Man, that was the biggest. That was the most exciting um, honor and privilege. Um, I tell you why, because you know, back in back in '96, I was, I was I think when he did that production um, the last time, right? And it was when I was just starting to dabble with this idea that hey, maybe I'm maybe I'm going to be an actor. Mm, yeah. And I, I remember seeing it, and and that was it. You know, I was hooked. So then to have, you know, I thought well, how many years later to have been invited to to, um, you know, and that original production, I kind of remember, you know, I remember the Stefano and I remember the Trinkolo so vividly and then all of a sudden I go, hey, come and, come and do John's last show. That was, I even like, I think, uh, you know, on his, on his thank you card, I, I wrote him an essay about <laughs> that whole thing that he's probably never read, but, oh, but it, was, it, it was such a, it, it was such a, it was such a, a, a kind of milestone mm. for me. Mm. You know, it was a real kind of rounding off sense of, sense of achievement. And your Stefano was huge because I want to talk to you about playing clowns because, you know, you've played very serious characters, you've played clowns and you played two different characters in this play. You played Stefano, the drunken butler, and then you played also, who was it, Sebastian, Antonio, one of the baddies. 
Um, so, so how do you, as an actor, uh, come at the distinction between two characters? How do you physically create a character like Stefano um, when you have to draw that sharp distinction between him and someone else you're playing in the show? He, he, like I think Stefano, Stefano's costume from the start really just so that helps costume that in 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 that in that particular case it was like okay um as soon as i saw uh what what the design was for him i went okay well that's that's um that's easy it just got you know just putting it on is going to (laughs) be funny enough um but 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 they, you know, the, 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 those characters, Antonio and, and Stefano, were so such poles apart that uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't hard. Mm. Um, uh, I guess what was hard was to measure it in terms of, um, n- you know, not taking not taking Stefano too far, and you know, and John, you know, to his brilliance and wisdom, um, kind of had you know did pull me back a few times because. You know, when you're wearing this kind of fat suit, this wonderful clown suit, uh, <laughs> and you're drunk for most of the play, mm-hmm. and you know, there's this, there's, there's this, especially you know, for the big ham actors, this you know, invitation to really just let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you count yourself you know, as one of the big ham actors? Is that, is that sure? Why <laughs> not? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and, and and that's another thing I stole from John. You know, to get noticed, you got to ham it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but then also like you know in 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 in, in contrast Antonio's kind of badness, mm. you know, d- didn't have to be um, too bad. And, and I, but I remember one of the one one of the one of the interesting things that I that I found with Antonio was just this this kind of this stink of something on his top lip that kind of helped for the <laughs> for the role. So so nice. so so there was a, so the you know both both characters maybe I approached too comedically, you know, in terms of like, you know, they, they, they wore their own kind of funny suit. But, um, but, but Stefano, God, how do you not ham that one up? You know, like, you, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 you've, you've got that to wear and you're drunk and you're rolling around and, uh, uh, but a, look, deserted, a deserted island. You know, I mean, this is one of the things I actually really admire about you as an actor is you, you, that you're so bold. I mean, even remember that underbelly, um, um, the Golden Mile, you played Bill Bayer in that. Oh, and wow. you know, even that. Even that character, you uh, you know, you, you found something about his voice and something about his physicality, even on TV, that was so, so bold. It was just crackers, but it was absolutely amazing. I mean, probably not great for TV, but... <laughs> it was, it but, really but, you know, But, you know, in, in my bad days through the 90s, I, like Uncle Bill was an actual real life character in yeah, my sure, growing up. Sure. You know, he he was running King's Cross, and we were partying at the Cross. So these characters I knew, yeah. and I went to I went to school with some Bayers. So as soon as this this that role came along, I kind of got, geez, I actually remember Uncle Bill. Yeah. And then and then and then I I you know, and it's such a classic kind of um, Arab uncle trait where. Where you know there's it's it's similar to Coriolanus. They've got this sense of <laughs> sense of self <laughs> that is totally misplaced, and and he you know he really uh, hopefully doesn't listen to podcasts. He, <laughs> he he really kind of suffered that condition, and I had so much fun with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about working physically, um, a few years before that in the Scottish play that Peter Evans directed. And you worked very closely with Nigel Poulton, the movement director, on you know, his intense physical process. 
Now, I happen to know that you were kind of questioning that physical process to begin with. You were going, well, I mean, how does this link to our production? How does it link to the play? But by the end, you had completely bought into it. Tell me about that uh, that journey. I mean, that was partly that was partly you know uh, partly process and partly my cheek towards Nige, yeah. who 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 are you know part of my other my my sacred. Um, you know, my sacred holy trinity is is kind of Pete Evans and accordingly and, and Nigel Polk. Sure. Because, <laughs> geez, I just I just absolutely love the worlds they create together. Yeah. And 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 it was yeah, it was a bit of fun love for Nige, where where I kind of I definitely in my process I kind of like to scrutinise really like you know I kind of I'm I'm not afraid to just to just ask mm-hmm. Al- almost almost to the point of just for contrary sake sure. just keep chipping yeah. away at it mm-hmm. just to see what happens yeah. but but it's like shakespeare's language it's what what nigel offers with that with that physical work is 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 a gate to something beyond you mm. that you know you can't i like i love falling into those 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 wormholes and seeing where the character takes you so the combination of that physical not the physical training but the 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 um the the physical world that he creates through the training and the language seem to marry so well together that you know there's there's a um, um, this, the infinite possibility for the character and that, that's a super exciting realm to play in especially with with these shakespeare's so the, the macbeth is like a standout show for me mm. in in that regard yeah you know um I remember one point in rehearsal where, you know, I just saw like Spielman contorting during this during this moment and going, "Wow, that's that's where we can take this world." Yeah, right. And, yeah, the and physical that, world uh, that you've created. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So from that point on, it was you just you know dove right in and had a play. Yeah. Look, then in Adelaide, um, obviously you played Othello to great acclaim. Now, talk to me a little bit about that play because I don't even know if it's playable anymore i i don't even know if othello is you can even put it on at the moment it's just so uh controversial and so intense and you know the the idea of a man of color murdering his wife at the end of a play i'm not sure if that's if we can even approach that at the moment and i around the same time i similarly did uh, like a a more newer play down in down at mtc called disgraced which you know follows follows the same follows the same tally it's a man of color um lashing out and abusing his wife Mm. but but you know beyond i I guess with the fellow the context was quite genius for that it was it it was essentially in in uh uh, you know, a desert war climate. So we, you know, we instantly knew that we were either in Afghanistan or Iraq. Mm-hmm. And um, and but but for for Othello's journey, you know, it was from from the start, it was a love story. Mm. And I that's that's that was my in with it. Why I bring disgraced up was, I think it was it's 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 interesting because as soon as as soon as those characters are presented to us as an audience, we racialize. Yes, and and that's and that's what we have to do, and I and and I guess maybe it's, maybe maybe it's a bit of a throwback to kind of go. Because because these characters are, are brown, they're not allowed to, show. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, it comes to violence, but hey, you know, do, like like domestic violence is colorblind. Mm-hmm. That's that's that it's 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 it's. 
it's kind of honest enough to say it happens in all these camps. It doesn't matter about colour. So, so why are we so focused on colour? Yeah, okay. Look, I think, I think part of my problem is that um, diversity within the uh, Australian theatre industry still has a long way to go in terms of casting. And so it, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a problem when, you know, the, the actors of colour who are just obviously so absolutely brilliant are only getting cast in roles that are specific to that race, do you know what I mean? Instead of actually, um, especially in Shakespeare, um, getting cast in in any number of roles because they are the best actor for the role. Yeah, true, totally, totally. I can't, you know, that's 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 the fight, and the fight's still on. It, it Maybe may just for you know, just for a fellow's defence in terms of you know, he's such a wonderful, tragic hero that that it's it's just unfortunate that like what you you know the 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 status quo makes it you know un, not not so much unfair but hard for us to 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 palette that kind of a that kind of a play mm, mm. um but yeah i agree you know i kind of i mean part of me wants to go well like like why the hell can't any actor play a fellow and if it means if it means blackface well you know, then let's have a deeper conversation about the job of the actor. Just so, just so an actor that looks like me can still play Hamlet without needing to kind of be uh, a thing, well, or can I'm play not... any other role that, like that. You know, that is beyond the servants. And and not to say we should blackface or we should we, we shouldn't do any of that. Of course not. But still, like, doesn't do, just it's just it's just an opening for us to talk about, as you say, what all what what you know actors that look like me and uh like aren't invited to do Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's absolutely right i think that's crucial and um we need to be thinking about that in terms of our leading roles uh but you know a blackface you know let's put let's put that in in the uh in the the dustbin of history yeah Um, yeah never again absolutely but but um uh you know the other thing is that um i i want us to move away from the idea that that whiteness on stage is neutral. Do you know what I mean? I, I want to move away from the idea that, you know, ev- everyone's just a neutral character and then there's this person who's different, you know. I think we've got to understand that whiteness on stage means something as well. And if there are white power structures to actually uh, focus on and examine and, and pull apart, well, that also means something on stage. It's not just yeah. oh, a neutral actor and then an actor of colour. That's, yeah. that's exactly it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th- and that's where you know that's where Shakespeare really is is so so wonderful because the the depth of the characters and the the language and and in it's probably like what I said about about Nigel's work when you kind of when you when you build a uh, when you build a form that can explore these worlds it actually takes takes us beyond beyond us and into that world so fully mm. and so much so surprisingly yeah. Awesome, Hazem. Thank you. Just before we wrap up our podcast today, we've got a little segment we call the Final Five. I've got five quick questions. I need five quick answers. All right, you ready? Here we go. I'm always terrible at this. <laughs> okay, number one. As an actor, are you the lover or the villain? Oh, villain. But you know, some. But 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 sometimes they come out lovable and funny. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think is the most underrated Shakespeare play? 
um, well, look, partly why I chose Coriolanus. Yeah, that's the but one. But then, so, so, but, 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 I actually kind of feel like I, uh, and and it's just out of my, out of my, you know, you know, new fatherhood, where I'm kind of thinking, Winter's Tale, the Winter's oh, Tale yeah, is, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to direct. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Who's your favourite actor you've never worked with? You'd love to work with. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've always been in love with, with. I'm going to answer this multiple ways. Go on. Um, well, you know, John Cazale is, is kind of like beautiful old, you know, godfather Al Pacino kind of, you know, praises him as the reason he's awesome. So I kind of always wanted to work with him just so he can make me look awesome. <laughs> um, um, for, for my dad, I want to say Anthony Quinn because, I mean, Anthony Quinn blackfaced to, to the extremes and I hate that he did that, but I love <laughs> I love that actor. Um, and in terms of like, you know, just because I want Corey Lannis to be put on and I want to... I want to cast Pam Rabe. Oh, I've yes. never worked with. Yes. Never worked with, and and I, I, yep. I, I but I like quite seriously. Yeah, I think Pam Rabe. I'd love to do work, Brilliant. work with. What's your dream Shakespeare role that you haven't played yet? Falstaff. Oh wow! Yes, yes, yeah. Do it. Y- yeah, Falstaff. Uh huh. Perfect. Three plays. Yeah, yeah, or a whole lot. Let's just do them. <laughs> <laughs> and has if you weren't an actor, what would you be doing? Mm. Well, you know, I started off in the construction game, but but <laughs> but uh, but but at this day and age, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be on on a little kind of off-grid banana field at you know in the hinterland behind Coffs Harbour, and just you know having lots of babies and homeschooling and yep, just yeah. Sounds great, Hazem. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on Speak the Speech. It's been so great, James. Yeah, thank you. Bell Shakespeare is Australia's national Shakespeare company. We perform in theatres and schools in every state and territory. If you'd like to support our work or to learn more about what we do, please visit bellshakespeare.com.au. Speak the Speech is produced by Bell Shakespeare and edited by Camillo Zanoni. Be sure to follow at Bell Shakespeare on social media and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Speak the Speech podcast through your listening platform.